welcome to The Rotating Platform, a podcast about video games. Uh, my name is Matthew Castle, and I am joined today by Mark Green. Hello, everybody. And Alan. <laughs> hello, hello, Matthew. <laughs> That's the second time you've done that, uh, I'm going to leave Alan's surname off. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I like to think it's because my name is enough. I'm one of these people, I'm like... <laughs> it's I'm just like, Alan. I'm like Ellen, or I'm like Ellen DeGeneres, <laughs> or, or Madonna. It's- yeah, it's yeah. Alan. It's, that's that's the stature I've reached. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, how how are you guys doing? Uh, well, <laughs> I've just been really ill. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for asking, Matthew. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that's not how that. you're supposed to respond. I know. Supposed... <laughs> I'm supposed to say, yeah, great, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, yeah. On the flip side of that, the flip side of being ill, I played so much Metal Gear Solid, and that's just a thing of joy. So you know. Mm. Every cloud. Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> oh, you should have heard me yesterday morning. I was all kind of raspy. I would have made a fantastic villain for something. You know when you wake up and you're ill and your voice just goes like way... You become like Barry White kind of depth. Like that's the thing. When I've got a sore throat, it's the only time where where my voice approaches anything nearing sexy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a little part of you is like, oh, I'd like to be kind of just ill enough all the time to yeah. kind of get mm. rid of my normal voice but mm. obviously that would be bad for other reasons well yeah yeah but you want just just ill enough that you kind of get just, that just ill thing. enough you know so just that, yeah just just ill enough to sound sexy but not feel sexy basically <laughs> yeah 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 that's what i want um if there's uh no other business should we should we press on yeah i think there's a like a metal gear platform that we need to helicopter over to. Oh yeah. What um, what uh, what tape are we going to pop in while we listen while we travel over? I uh, I found a tape of uh, of uh, someone with terrible bowel problems. Um, okay, well let's, let's listen to that then. Yeah, let's put that. <laughs> I put that on a loop on the speaker. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> let's do that. Well, that's, that's no that's... way to speak about Europe's the final countdown. Alan. <laughs> it's actually a it's actually a very good uh, piece of music. Uh, Hey. Oh, this is good. This is, but this is good. But this is material that belongs on a different platform. Yeah, this is, this is quality. So, uh... This is this is audio gold. Let's save it. Let's get onto this next platform. But I think we should do that after this. So we find ourselves on a platform that's a series of platforms joined together in the middle of the sea, <laughs> in which a, a bunch of mercenaries have been living, uh, and they've all got absurd names like Rancid Badger. <laughs> um, that's one of my favourites. I know about you guys because it's a Metal Gear Solid Five special joint platform because oh, we've all been playing it. Yeah. Oh man. All right. What a treat. So we're joining. Yeah. So Matthew's welcoming us to Metal Gear because obviously you played it a bit, quite a bit before us. Must have been agonising to have played this lovely thing, but nobody else has. Like you just don't yeah. know. You must be going. Well, yeah, there's a bit of that. Uh, there's also like. No one wants to hear about it before they've played it because they're like, no spoilers, no mm. spoilers. So I've just had to kind of sit mm. sit there with my mouth closed, which is quite difficult because, uh, you know, I've got a gob. Well, we should say, that for benefit of listeners trying to avoid spoilers themselves, so I'm about, I'm on about mission oh, 15 or something. That's, that's where I am. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm going to say some very nice things about Metal Gear, which is going to be a bit shocking for people who listen to previous episodes. Because yeah. you've, you've been a sceptic for a long time, haven't you? Oh, not a sceptic. You've just yeah, not really kind of been I on have. board with it. But I feel like, I mean, I love this game, but I don't feel, this doesn't feel like a normal Metal Gear to me. I don't know if that's just because mm. I've played four or three, but... Um, I wonder if it's the open world design which fundamentally changes how the game is played. I think like level because... design is just completely different now. Yeah, but also like Snake has just shut the hell up, which is <laughs> which is like good because well, he's he's turned he's into a... someone else. Is what he's done. <laughs> yeah, his voice sounds different. But yeah, I don't know if that's because Kiefer Sutherland is a thousand times more expensive than David. I, Hayter, I imagine but... it is. <laughs> it probably is, but. I think that actually work. That makes things feel a lot less weird and, frankly, like Kojima-y Because I, I, I realised how much of it was just Snake wittering on and 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 the other characters just chatting at him endlessly. Yeah, this is like the best stealth game I ever played. Stealth. I often find stealth games quite unfair because you're trying your hardest to stealth around, and something will go wrong that shouldn't go wrong. Like someone sees you and they shouldn't see you, or 
someone hears you when they shouldn't hear you and and it, and it feels a bit like well I'm trying my best to play this the way it's meant to be intended but the the game's flaws are working against me but metal gear generally metal gear 5 generally everything's perfect um there's the odd slightly unfair bit but considering how much stuff there is like how many a, yeah i just can't believe how many different features unlock um and and how badly you want them as well like are you re- like i recently unlocked the ability to fulton um cargo and i was just absolutely knocked out when i was able to do that because i was looking forward to it for so mm. long yeah it it has the curve of unlocking abilities down to an amazing extent it's so good mm. um the sense of like uh you you can see you know you, when you start the game you're pretty weak you can't really do much uh and the game is consequently pretty tough but when you get better at stuff you get better equipment and you get um more abilities and more buddies and stuff like that you really start to feel like a badass and that's a that's an amazing yeah. thing to get right in games you forget how fundamental to gameplay yes. that is who did so um people who 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 might not know much about the game like you have um you can take a buddy into the missions with you who is like an ai mm. character or a piece of kind of living equipment who you can mm. kind of like order to do stuff who who do you guys uh who do you guys like to take into missions with you depends it depends i i, I like to take quiet um because if i get into a gunfight she's gonna be able to help me out i quite like that mm. i am absolutely 100% loyal to the dog yeah um, <laughs> i love that dog and i've started having this really great. The dog does a brilliant job of um, picking out enemies for you um, without you having to spot them yourself, picking out objects and and items that you can pick up. Um, And it's so well done um, because uh, he just gives a little little woof um, (laughs) when he spots something, just a little tiny one, just to go, and I get so into creeping around with this dog. Part of me has started feeling like he's real so <laughs> i'm creeping i'm creeping around and um you know i'm just creeping around the edge of a, of a base or something and um he's spotting people and every time he's going Woof, and i found myself going shh, shh, shh. <laughs> i go in like uh, well, good boy good good boy just out loud <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the really interesting things about the dog actually is that it is a thing which people can see and like it doesn't naturally set off there a lot you know when guards see it they'll be like get out of here you know that's like, yeah. oh, it's some dog which i really like because like um i don't know if you remember in the last of us there was this really weird thing where they were like the the ai on ellie wasn't like amazing so just enemies yeah. couldn't see her so she'd be like just sort of running around mm. like shaking her arms and stuff and, and, and <laughs> yeah. these bandits just wouldn't see her but i like that you're hiding there and they'll see the dog and sometimes you'll think yeah. Is this dog going to lead them to me? It's like, dog, shut up. Just go, <laughs> dog, yeah, shut no. The horse does the same thing as well. Like, if the, if the uh, guards see a horse, they'll react to it, see your horse. They'll react to it and kind of go, oh, there's a horse. But they, they won't think, oh, my God, this horse has come to kill us all. Yeah. You know, they'll just that, think, oh, it's a horse. I feel sorry, though, because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, if they were to collect, like, global stats, like, that horse gets dumped the second you get anything which isn't the horse. <laughs> If anything, I want to f- I want to feed the do- the horse to the dog just to kind of reinforce our love for- my love with the dog. <laughs> like a tri- at the end of missions, they're like, "Where did you get all this this premium dog food, Snake?" Uh, remind me never to have dinner at your house. Yeah. <laughs> so I discovered I had this horrible moment with the dog when it was just a puppy on the base after you rescued it, where um, I I realised that you could throw um, your you know you can throw the magazine uh, your your gun magazines around to attract attention. Yeah. And I realised that if you threw one of these magazines, the dog would go and um, it wouldn't fetch it, but it'd go and run after it. Oh, puppy, right. which I is cute. That. And yeah. somehow I threw the instead of throwing the magazine, I threw the flare that brings a helicopter attack. <laughs> okay. And so I, the dog just got instantly murdered by uh, by the helicopter. What? <laughs> yeah, and. For a while, I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe I've lost lost the puppy and I've lost the dog, and that's it. It's uh, it's over. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I hadn't. Like, well, there are, <laughs> oh, like, thank you know, that. without like dropping any spoilers, there are, you know, there are ways of missing like the dog and quiet, and you, you, and yes. you would cut yourself off really? from tons of amazing stuff. But the game doesn't 
doesn't warn you of that. It goes, well, here, if anything, like with quiet, it kind of pushes you the other way, I think. Um, well, well, you've got the sort of angel and the demon, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Admit, mm, yeah. So on your shoulders. But you know, it's the, it's usually the thing with video games. I think if you're sort of paying attention, you're not how mm, trying to say it. Like I felt lent on not you right. know to make a certain decision, and yeah. that is the decision I made. Yeah, that's true. But you know? but I but it. it Going hand in hand with that, I think this is a game that genuinely um, want, wants you to discover and discover stuff much more than other games I've played. Yeah. A, a lot of the missions do feel like, well, we we will give you, we'll give, we'll sometimes give you map points and we'll sometimes tell you what to do, but there is a there is a lot of um, freedom to mess up and still continue with the mission. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it it almost reminded me a bit of kind of like um, like how Hitman levels are constructed in that there's like a routine to them. Like they're kind of, they are fundamentally clockwork things, but you can just start taking parts out of them and they somehow kind of still function. It's Yeah, they, do it's, you know, I tell you, what it, I tell you what playing this game reminds me of actually, it's Goldeneye. That I'm a, I actually mm. want to go back to each mission and I want to... Um, and I feel myself getting better and I want to meet, you know, each mission has one or two objectives you know about and four you only find out about after the first time you've completed yeah. it. And so that golden eye thing where you do agent, secret agent, um, uh, double O agent. I, I had that feeling of like, I'm, I, I can't progress in this game because I keep being drawn in to, to go. I mean, each, each map, each little area is so well designed. Um, and and there's so many ways to just just move around and um and uh, so many things to discover that i just keep getting drawn back in like with goldeneye where you're just doing the same level over and over again and just really enjoying it mm. Um, mm. it's really worth it as well because you get rewarded with more money for buying stuff yeah uh, so and there's a real more things and more aspects to your base but, and all that kind of thing it's great one thing I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about, because there's, there's one thing I'm not a big fan of, and it's pretty much the only thing in the game that I don't really like, which is the um, the skulls, the parasite unit, the mm-hmm. um, kind of sort of super soldiers or sort of paranormal guys who can kind of turn up. Like, whenever yeah. they appear, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bit I'm not going to enjoy much. Um, the whole game, you have so much choice to how you approach things, apart from those scenes where they turn up, because then it's like, you got to fight them or run away, and it gets a bit kind of messy mm. for my liking i don't know what you what you thought about them. i've i've seen those guys twice right um uh once very early and once when you have a fight with them in some ruins mm. um like temple type place and i'll confess i i cheesed that because i worked out <laughs> that there was an area that they couldn't come into so uh i kind of stood inside mm. and picked them off which was a bit of a yeah that's what of I a cheese fest yeah <laughs> Oh no! If, I I quite like the system actually at the end of the missions where it gives you um, a different code name based on your play styles. So even mm. if it's a play style which it doesn't score particularly high, you know you might be like, you know your code name, you know bat because you did it at night, or mm. you know your mm. your this because you used a lot of shotguns. So even and even and even then it's kind of rewarding you with little kind of collectible bits and bobs. It's there is one thing that is in the game, one aspect of the game which I don't really like, which a lot of games have got now. It's that it's uh, a mechanism which is I first came across in Assassin's Creed, where you send off, uh, you send a team of guys off to do a, a mission, mm. right. and then they come back in eighteen minutes, and they've and they mm. bring you money or or resources or something like that. Every once in a while, they'll kind of... I think you always get money, but they bring you back, like, sometimes just a huge load of plants. And I just like the idea that these <laughs> soldiers, you've sent them off, and they've basically murdered a load of guys, and then just come back with, like, uh, well, we brought you these plants. Is that, like, are you cool with that? <laughs> they, like, is this They stopped good? in at the garden centre. They <laughs> felt guilty. <laughs> so are, you, are you happy, boss? Like, here are some flowers. Yeah. And you're like, what, what did I send you out? It's like that um, in the... In the League of Gentlemen, there used to be that guy who'd go out to the shops and then come back and he'd always have, like, 
the weirdest stuff and she'd be like i sent you out to get some rice and it's like that it's like oh look i've got 500 you know tarragon plants or something you'd be like no no i love the way tarragon is sort of uh uh, is kind of perceived as a slightly exotic thing that you go out and find in the fields in afghanistan like i can buy that in the supermarket yeah (laughs) goes well with fish you know that's like come on guys what's really useful with those guys actually um is that some of the higher ranked missions um, you can go and like attack their kind. They sort of they're meant to be like factories or storage mm. places for equipment, and it actually changes what equipment enemies then have in the field. So like you can like if if they if they've you know you can get rid of their shotguns or or they have yeah. fewer helmets, which is kind of, that's, like that's that. quite cool. That's really nice. I I was ignoring those um, missions, but then I started seeing endless uh, you know those decoys. Um, the, the, hmm. the, 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 these balloon men that yeah. the enemy you, you can have one yourself as well but it's these balloon men that they put up and I think what the enemy has in terms of helmets and shields and decoys are based on what you have and also how you've been playing possibly yeah, yes. yeah they do they had, so if you do lots of headshots they start wearing more helmets then they have yeah. helmets yeah. so it's really good and that's the sense i got all, all through metal gear that anything that could kind of like um start getting on your nerves like the enemies having shields or or decoys um or you know not being able to get from place to place quick enough and stuff like that there's always something coming to make that easier and to make it not be as annoying essentially so you can yeah. like you know you can stop enemies having the the things that you don't mm. like them having there's there's several different ways to get around more quickly um so it feels like yeah metal gear is always just just taking away any stuff that would irritate me in other games um have you ever like if you attach uh, the Fulton balloons to people who haven't been tranquilized and they really shout about it? They're like, oh, "I'm attached to a balloon! I'm attached to a balloon!" <laughs> like, get over here, everyone! Check this out! You know, <laughs> they all make they make such a sort of song and dance of it, and you're just like, "Shush, shush, quiet, quiet." I don't think I, I think Fultoning a sheep will never get old, though, <laughs> ever, or a goat. It's just fantastic. It's so funny that there's a photo of a sheep getting fultoned inside your helicopter because it's obviously such a memorable moment that, uh, <laughs> that, that there's what you know, snake thing, or big boss rather says, "I want to, I want to remind myself of how funny that is." <laughs> it's so good. But that, that yeah, brings me to my greatest nemesis that I found. The thing that was giving me the greatest trouble in Metal Gear Solid was a bear. Mm, Have you come across yeah, the that, bear? The- the, the 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 main the the big one you got to take out yeah take yeah. out a bear that thing was uh was ruining my day for for quite a while it was just kept doing me in but until i used i realized i was using the wrong weapon on it um i just stood but- i just stood on a slightly raised rock and then uh, that's why humans are at the top of the food chain because <laughs> bears bears can't work that out they just well- Real life bears can, just so you know. There's this little public service announcement. If you're ever attacked by a bear, don't climb up a tree or whatever, because that does not work. Um, (laughs) That's good to know. You know what you're supposed to do with bears if they're charging you? Is it just a big pot of honey that you give them? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That works. Um, Or the bears in America, you uh, make yourself really big and shout at them and make a load of noise and uh, you, you tough them out. Yeah, you you really need to check out the distinction between black bears and brown bears because one of them, yeah. if you do that, eaten. One of them, yeah. <laughs> the other one, yeah, I think they do. That's the thing. Quite, it's like one of them. Timid. One of them is scared of really big things. The other one's not interested <laughs> in really small things. And then every yeah. time you're like, is this the one where I crawl into a ball or not? <laughs> yeah. And that's when the brown bear's like, oh, brilliant! He's crawling into a ball. He thinks I'm one of the other ones. <laughs> this is going to be easy. I think the thing with brown and black bears is all opposites, isn't it? So fire works on one, ice works on the <laughs> yeah. other one. Um, I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. So very quickly then, favourite helicopter music? Uh, uh, the bowels. Uh, the bowels. <laughs> as oh, the bowels you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. I like uh, uh, Man Eater. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, good for the bears also. When, yeah. you're, when you're visiting the bear, <laughs> just play them a well, bit. I like it because the thing about Man Eater, the lyrics of the song are like warning you about something. It's like, here she comes. So I like the idea it's helicopters turning up and it's giving out this warning <laughs> about the Man Eater. And it's not the helicopter, but I like to think that that's what the helicopter's called. <laughs> yeah. I love watching the helicopter from afar when it's just like machine gunning everyone. I'm like, yeah, that's it. You do it for Yeah, it's it great, looks really it? cool when it, especially at night, it's got a great big, like, headlight 
I guess that's yeah. what you call them on helicopters. And yeah, it's just t- spinning in the air and just gunning everyone down. It's, uh, tell you what, though, it's when it comes in, it's got all this music blaring out. If it then gets shot down really quickly, it's it's so anticlimactic. It makes you, you know, you're like, check this out with its pop music, and then it just crashes. Costs you like, you know, you know, a tenth of a million pounds, and you're like, oh, well, that was. Because all the guards must be, yeah, that stupid guy with his pop music we showed him. <laughs> the pilot, just, just think of the pilot, like, going down, flames engulfing the cockpit, and he can hear Hall and Oates. <laughs> it's just like the worst death. But that, that, um, that pilot is a maniac anyway. If you've, if, you've picked, if you've got him to pick you up on one of the platforms at the base and then take you to another one, because those platforms are, you know, the, the, the platform... Uh, the base is like the size of a city with those long bridges, and he does all this stunt flying. He's like he's like flying under the bridges and like almost <laughs> clipping them, and yeah. like just taking this really meandering route. I guess if you played Ground Zeroes as well, you'll know that Big Boss hasn't had like a great history with helicopters. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He's like, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. He's like, please do not do that. Bad things happen. Do you not remember what happened to me last time? Like, I do not want to wake up in 1993, my man. (laughs) Yeah, with another horn in my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Two horns. He's like, oh, great. Oh, of course. <laughs> He's just got half of a helicopter propeller blade sticking yeah. out of his head. And a cassette tape of Take On Me just kind of coming out the side of his head. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I didn't get to say Take On Me is my uh, helicopter yeah, song of good. choice, actually. So, yeah. Oh, it is so um, disproportionate, isn't it? The The sort of dissonance between... Um, that music and the environment in which you're going to be playing it is yeah. just brilliant. It just feels like um, a lot of fun because it's there. It's only there if you want it. If you want to play the game straight and serious, you completely can, you know, insofar yeah. as that's possible. Or you want to go Fortening Sheep and, uh, you know, I made all my weapons pink and all my um, vehicles and I made a logo for myself, which I'm quite proud of. It's a, it's a pink unicorn, right? And the words around it say naked man. Hmm. <laughs> that's all right i just want it to go on the internet eventually when the online thing goes uh goes online haha when the online mode uh goes live i want that logo to be seen uh by as many people as possible i want to unsettle people if they're coming to visit my base or whatever then i want them to see that logo prominently so yeah thumbs up all round for metal gear yeah. so matthew uh, you know apologies for being a bit cynical and suspicious maybe back when uh, you were talking about it because you were absolutely right it's a it's a, a masterpiece i told you it's hot stuff and it's mm. most important of all as you are proof it is hot stuff even if you don't care for past metal gear absolutely yeah. i would definitely definitely and, and i do i i think there's a sense that people who like me who aren't into metal gear are kind of their ears are pricking up like hmm this one sounds like it's going to be a, a bit more up my alley and yeah i would definitely recommend anyone who isn't normally into metal gear I approached it with complete uh, sort of cynicism and uh, <clears throat> kind of semi-expecting disappointment. And uh, it's just an awesome video game. I mean, um, it's true. And I think one of the ways it manages to do that is it really does allow you to approach things in different ways. Uh, like you'll still be finding things mm-hmm. in Metal Gear. Like you've mentioned things in the course of us talking about it, which I didn't know about. Mm. Like my enemies have never uh, sent up uh, those decoy balloons. Uh, oh, they don't the go up. Thing. They just they just sit or on they, the they they pop up, brother. You know those. The, uh, my enemies have never done that because I don't really use that as a tool. Yeah, they're going to send. A, they're just going to send a whole load of bears at you, Alan. <laughs> yeah, that's they're, true. They've, they've worked out, out bears. On put my a bear in your helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be brilliant. You press the button to climb into a helicopter, and then just a bear bursts out of it <laughs> in a horrible quick time event. <laughs> The animals are amazing. It's, it's also like Far Cry in the sense that the animals are so uh, awesome. Like I was looking in minute detail at the hair on um, what was it on the back of like a really straggly goat or sheep or something. <laughs> I was looking at its wool. It's not obvious at all that Alan's been very feverish uh, the last few days. <laughs> I've been really zooming in. I, yeah, I may have been a little bit spaced out at the time. Good, good. Well, anyway, good that times. Was, that was a lot of a lot of hot Metal Gear chat. That was some lovely Metal Gear chat. I enjoyed that thoroughly. And I'm going to be playing the bejesus out of that for the foreseeable future. Uh, But 
before I crack on and resume my battles, we're going to have a bit of this. And now, the rotating platform players will present a song played entirely on the Nintendo DS game, Jam With The Band. It is the year 3000. Apocalyptic disaster has struck in what has become known as the event. Millions are dead or dying in the molten lava of a collapsing planet. The one beacon of hope, the Space Ark, constructed to protect humanity's best people and greatest works, and carry them safely to a new home beyond the stars. Racing against time, Space Art Games Committee convenes to decide which video games will be preserved for future generations and which will be lost forever to the fire. Welcome to the year 3000, where we choose video games to preserve for all time. Do you... I've got a question for you guys about this. Yeah. Are we allowed to start playing in the games now or do we have to wait until Space Art has finished its mission and been through every genre in video game history. This raises the whole question, doesn't it, of are our decisions happening contiguously in time or are we actually doing it two weeks apart? No, this is every day a new genre. So every day is a new genre. But what are we doing for the, you know, 23 hours? uh, We're working, researching tomorrow's genre and eating fizzy cola (laughs) bottles. Yeah. And some, and yeah. I, we spend a couple of hours every day just looking out the window and watching stuff melt. Um, yeah, that doesn't get old, really. That's <laughs> no, it okay. doesn't get old. It's mesmerising. <laughs> yeah. Neither do the people get old. No. Um, no. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. Well, like, we're not allowed to, you know, I would, I would say if we're looking at other departments, we're not allowed to just start eating all the food that we're taking with us now because that would be disastrous. Oh, I see. Right, right. So it's just all being, it's it's like when you get on an aeroplane, everything's going into the hold. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah. And you can't access it. I think it would send the wrong message to those outside if they saw us slacking off. If they saw us all passing around a tablet with the room on it, <laughs> you know. I'll be honest with you, I don't feel threatened much by people who are half submerged in lava. You don't feel they're judging eyes on you through the window. Yeah, I certainly, yeah, I do feel they're judging eyes on me. 
but that ju- that judgment appears to be melting away, if you will. <laughs> As, <laughs> and uh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Over time. It's great being inside the arc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all of our nerd fantasies fulfilled, isn't it? <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> what, what, the entire human race? Yeah. Alan, yeah. what have they Don't done think. to you? <laughs> have I revealed too much? <laughs> I thought it was weird when we were all standing there watching outside and I can just hear you whispering revenge to yourself. Yeah, just just <laughs> chuckling at night, you know. Let's start. I think we need to I think we need to eject Alan. <laughs> like we've voted off. That's harsh, man. <laughs> yeah, so on that note. No, I don't think so. So that's <laughs> uh, the only way to resolve who's the issue of who's gonna get chucked off the arc is politics. Oh. Look at that for a segue, you see what I've done there? Very nice, yeah, yeah. Political games, political is games, this week's which genre. I think it's fair to say people have interpreted in all sorts of interesting ways, which is what we hoped. Yeah, we got some interesting stuff this uh, this week. Let's crack, let's crack on. Let's let's get straight into it. Thomas A. Davis simply says on Twitter, "Papers, please?" Question um, mark. And Thomas McIntyre, as also on Twitter, said, uh, "Papers, please." But but both these guys are questioning whether it's a political game. And actually, I think it's one of the first games I'd think of in terms of uh, games that are packed with politic political. Is sort it of, uh, because it evokes a particular time and pl- well, a sort of imagined version of a particular time and place, uh, and a feeling of bureaucracy, and uh, it's kind of making a point about that. And about how later on in the game, you know, the people you let in and the people you don't, you know, how that kind of pans out. Like, it's it's kind of saying something, isn't it? It's it's interesting, though, because it's one of the only games of, like, the kind of things that people have nominated. It's pretty much the only one where you're not, like, a figure in charge. You know, you're just a kind of cog in the machine, which is why I think a lot of people, mm. you know, when you say political games, you maybe think of, like, decision-making where you're in a kind of position of power to make important decisions but here it's kind of like Mm. enacting you know enacting someone else's kind of sort of will and you know how you know how kind of uh you know how 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 much you kind of play into that you know whether you kind of try really hard and help the state or you kind of you know cut corners and just try and make a quick buck um you are being forced to do things that it's like when the first time you someone goes into the photo booth thing and the picture comes out and they're completely naked and you're and it's it's just something you're just revulsed by oh god that's really invasive and i don't want to see that you know and it's Hmm. it, it it's really powerful actually um it kind of made me think a little, but like not in, not in as extreme ways. But now, whenever I kind of go through like airport security and things, I always think of that. I always still think, oh, yeah. here are people who just have to kind of their job is to be kind of this sort of invasive sort of security person. You know, they don't care personally, but like it's yeah. their job to kind of sort of stick their nose in and hassle you. So, I think yeah, papers please is. Uh really really good and and very suitable for this theme i think um and very good music as we discovered mm. in a previous episode mm. so i'm saying passport approved passport into the stamp. you're putting that stamp yeah. on it and in it goes oh, i hope um, it, i hope it doesn't turn out to be a bad one <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm i'm with you on that totally it's in it's got to go great success Tommy Peace has emailed us, uh, and mm-hmm. he's written us a very nice email. He says, "Greetings, Games Committee of the Steam Dark. I have nomination um, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance on GameCube." Mm. And he's thinking, "It is." That- he, he says, "It is a tap- it is a tactical RPG, but political games is hardly a real genre." Fair enough, Tommy. Can't argue with that. And this game should be included for a number of reasons. Uh, he says, "There's disputes between kingdoms that escalate into war." Um, struggles for succession and even the the peasants revolt and he also says it deals with issues of uh, corruption discrimination, prejudice and even the ethics of warfare. What, I wonder my first thought is why that particular Fire Emblem? Have we, uh, had Fire em- have we had Fire Emblem before? Fire Emblem Awakening is in the arc yeah, right. Oh, episode 13 turn based strategy uh, see that's interesting because like to me, when you say Fire Emblem, um, I have played Path of Radiance, but it kind of blurs into the first one on the Wii, which I can't quite remember the name of. But um, to me, when you say Fire Emblem, I always think 
the thing it succeeds in doing is putting a kind of human face on war. Like it goes, oh, it's not actually about who's fighting who for what reason. It's about the kind of personalities in your army. So I would, like to me, I think that the brilliant thing about Fire Emblem is that it kind of removes the politics from it and just makes it about the people. I like, I don't know. I'd be a bit worried about filling the arc with just endless fire emblems. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do like I really think we should. We've in. got like arguably the pick of the bunch mm. in the form of Awakening. Mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm siding with you, Matthew. I'm saying a, a, a sort of semi, a reluctant no, as they say on uh, Dragon's Ten. It was a very eloquent argument. Uh, shall I read the next? Yes, please. So uh, this is uh, from Alex D via email. And he says, the game I nominate is Mass Effect. No, wait, come back. Uh, That's him saying that, (laughs) not me. Uh, It's a political game. It's a game that sets you making key political decisions at almost every turn, whether you're dealing with local councils, forming alliances, damning entire civilizations to death, or playing mediator between bickering factions. It all comes down to politics. He suggests that we could use the game as a training tool to teach the remaining earthly survivors how to deal with the alien races we will inevitably stumble upon. As we plough on mm. blindly through space. <laughs> Shall we manufacture what? a disease that eradicates them all or not? Yeah. Or just go to bed with them. Such <laughs> oh, a yeah. difficult choice. It's, it's Always one difficult. or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, that when I played Dragon Age uh, by, the, by the same developer, by the way, um, that I didn't really get into any of the, the, the sort of politics and the story. You know, I just really enjoyed it as a game. But... You know, I know so many people who really get into the lore of um, Bioware's games and the characters and the and the relationships and and the politics. Um, so I can see why he's nominated this, but it's not something I've ever. I, it's not something I've ever really experienced with Mass Effect. I just thought it was a cool, you know, RPG blaster blaster thing. <laughs> well, you know? I think you're doing it a slight disservice there, in the sense that there is a story to engage with, but also like your personal style you know whether you're going to always try and save everyone or whether you think it's okay to let some people go in the service of the greater good those are kind of issues i suppose it's it's politics in the sense of exploring issues not politics in the sense of like negotiation between parties or anything well the walking dead does that we wouldn't call the walking dead a political game if 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 human politics were more like the things which happened in mass effect a lot more people would watch Newsnight, that's for sure. <laughs> Most of the decisions that I remember making in, in what I have played of those games uh, were kind of more about personal, like, do you forgive X person for doing this, as opposed to this is going to mm. shape the the fate of the universe, even though I think 3 probably has got more of that in it, but I just didn't, yeah. I didn't really engage, because it was like, are you going to side with this army or this army? And I was like, well, you know... If I side with that army, X person mm. won't won't like me anymore. And that's true. But you do have. I mean, Mass Effect has a bit more of the. You know, right from the get go, you are going into an ambassador's office, and you know, you get the sense of these of the, of the petty politics of races as opposed to the big, the yeah. big wars and mm. and so that's kind of interesting. Um, and and look, I'm not going to put Mass Effect in the lava. That would be bonkers uh it's like it's mass effect that would be it would be renegade <laughs> yeah, it would. my face would go all, all uh all scratchy and weird i think that's what happens to shepherd isn't it has anyone ever done it i mean i think no no one has ever gone renegade because the <laughs> options are just too crude just too crudely negative it's like do you want to give a chinese burn to this orphan and you're like no i don't no, no. why would i do that no I don't know. I, I've been I've been somewhat uh, persuaded by Alex's argument, and I really like Mass Effect. So, mm. uh, for wh- whatever the hell it means, I don't think it's a political. Yeah, game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, with I don't think it's a political game, whatever that means, particularly. But uh, I also think it's not the best Mass Effect game. Um, so on that basis, uh, it's to, for, for me, it's Mass Effect Two or nothing. It's worth saying that Alex. There was a little coda to Alex's email where he says. Before I go, can I just let you know that I think Mark sounds rather like Ian Lee and Alan sounds like Alexander Armstrong. Oh, that's kind. <laughs> I'll take that. 
Sorry, Matthew, you don't really sound like anyone else. <laughs> well, well, apart from Michael Caine. <laughs> that wasn't the person who I was thinking of, but okay. <laughs> All right, let's pick another listener pick. All right, so Sean Thomas, uh, he nominated a few games because um, he's talking about cyberpunk games. Um, he says that um, cyberpunk experiences in his eyes fit the criteria which I deem to be beating the system, inverted commas. So he's going for Captive 2 Liberation on the Amiga. <clears throat> Captive, 2 was a delish- uh, uh. Captive 2 was a devilishly difficult title where you had to sneak around a huge polygon city uh, and solve a political mystery. I sucked at it and only got a few hours in, but it was clear it had a huge amount of depth and backstory to uncover via research. Syndicate had a similar feel to it. Yeah, have you guys played Captive? I no, haven't. I so Captive and Captive 2 were by Tony Crowther, who was, who's been... Well, he was a big-name coder back in the 8-bit days for Commodore 64. And, um, yeah, on the Amiga, he made Captive, which is basically... Um, what's it called? Dungeon Master sort of clone. You know, the sort of 3D um, first-person dungeon game. You know um, Legend of Grimlock? No, not Grimlock. That's the name of a, oh, that, of a Transformer. That, that rings a bell. <laughs> Legends of Grimrock. Yes, Legends of Grimrock has been two of those games, and they're very much based on this Dungeon Master uh, concept. So it's where you can only move like a tile at a time in a first-person maze, and um, it's it's RPG in the sense you've got a, a team of four with different stats, and you, you can't see them, but um, it's, it's, it's just like a takey-turny RPG in a dungeon, basically. And yeah, so hmm. so the 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 little twist with captive is at least in the first game is you are a prisoner who has four little droids in a suitcase. <laughs> I can't remember exactly <laughs> what was going on here. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these four droids are your fighting force around this uh, sort of, um, around this dungeon. Um, and all the, ma- all the dungeons were random procedurally generated. So I think there were like 65,000 different dungeons or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't played Captive 2 after all that, um, but I think it's similar. And, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if it does have this political bent, I really love Captive. I was obsessed with it when I was, uh, when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, I'd be very willing to, to put it in. It's rock hard. So it sounds like the sort of political stuff is kind of the, the sort of story and the sort of setting. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Captive 1 having that. You know, Captive 1 was just... I wish I could remember exactly how these robots were helping you get out of prison. Maybe, or maybe they were breaking in to kind of get you out, maybe. Maybe they were remote controlled and they were trying to find you to break you out of prison. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I guess with two, they introduced a bit more political stuff. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm saying eight thumbs up for Captive, one for each droid, two for each droid. Sorry. Well, well, that would mean that it goes in. Hang on, you've just you've just broken the system, you rebel. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think uh, like I, I haven't played the game, but it sounds fascinating. Um, yeah. uh, so I think it should go in because I'm intrigued. Color me intrigued. Preserved forever. Nice. So another one we have here, and I'm afraid I'm entirely ignorant of this. Uh, Alex Dale, who uh, I work with on Official Xbox Magazine. Uh, has he has suggested balance of power, which was also suggested by uh, from a few other sort of uh, anonymous sources uh, who 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 are like too to, uh, I think too cool to kind of get involved with this podcast. Oh <laughs> well, it's it's a very political thing, uh, you know, in itself, isn't it? Because mm. you know they don't want to be seen to be favouring certain podcasts over others. So um, <laughs> yeah, but balance of power. So like, can someone fill me in on this? Yes. Yeah, Bounce Bar is a very famous, um, I guess, Mac game. Yeah, it's a, it's a Mac game, yeah. Originally. From 1985, I'm told. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, um, it's by Chris Crawford, who um, is a very big name in game development. And yeah, it's like a strategy game where you're playing either, um, I think you can play, if I remember right, you can play either America or Russia or USSR. Yeah, the so the aim essentially is to not go to war, not not to not to trigger a nuclear war, um, but while still um, becoming as uh, 
like important a country as you can, you know, and, and kind of um, screw over the other guys. Um, and, and famously, if you do trigger a, a nuclear war, it says something like, um, oh, we're not going to, there's no fancy screen, there's no fancy imagery of a big nuclear explosion because there are no winners in war. I don't, you know, this game doesn't want to reward you for having dis- oh, man. destroyed the planet. Welcome to 1985. Because, <laughs> the, the, you know, that is that's a, that is the message that we were given. Well, uh, everyone was, I remember, yeah, because I was a kid, well, as, as you know, a couple of, couple of us were quite young kids in the early 80s and I was scared of nuclear Armageddon. Yeah, so yeah. Alan's, Alan said like said like that, 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 that's a dumb point of view. He was like, <laughs> oh yeah, welcome to 1985 where everyone was scared of nukes, those wimps. Like, no, Alan. No, that's, that's, it out. No, that still it stands. Out. You're like, oh, because oh, there's no winners in nuclear war. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, the only winning move is not to play. They're like, you're very true, but oh yeah, you know, that's true. Actually, same thing. Yeah, or like uh, in Rocky Three, where right at the end, um, they're all actually best friends after all, and uh, Rocky says, "You know, we can change. We can all change. Like, please don't obliterate us with your with your Cold War infighting, please." Uh, yeah, so it's just kind of popular message of the time, isn't it? The idea of war being a bad thing. Yeah, that was the, the, the yeah the uh, the cool thing to say back then. But yeah, we, <laughs> that we, was we've, so cool. We've grown up. We yeah. discovered that actually war is awesome. And is that anyway, were, you, were you like really alternative? And you're like, well, I would li- I would like a bit of nuclear war if you ask Bring me. Bring it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so Balance of Power is uh, it's a very important game. Um, I think, in all seriousness. Uh, and yeah, yeah very um, incredible, yeah. incredibly political given that uh, that message i think i think that's a reasonable response mark actually you know leaving aside my glibness in response <laughs> to the whole thing i think i think you're right i think there is a, a serious point to be made there but again it's it's a political game in the sense that it's about an issue and it's trying to make a certain point um which is it's a, it's a totally decent nomination and a, and a thoughtful one yeah all right then in it goes yeah Another nomination we've had in through Twitter uh, is from somebody calling themselves Picuri. Picuri? Picuri? Picuri. Don't know. Picuri, yeah. Picuri. Who says, infinite space. Its vast space universe presents many thought-provoking ideologies which are relevant to its narrative. And he says, I think Matthew reviewed it for Endgamer, so I'm counting on him here. So yes, yes, Picuri is correct. I did review it for Endgamer. The 3DS, yeah? Uh, DS. DS, sorry, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting game, Infinite Space. It's one of the... Um, when Platinum Games first formed, it was one of the games they announced. They announced Mad World, uh, Bayonetta, and Infinite Space. Ah. Um, Infinite Space being a um, massive space exploration RPG spaceship sim thing. Um this one, it went over a lot of people's heads because it's incredibly difficult because it's really, really fiddly and you have to build spaceships room by room and basically whichever room you slot into a spaceship radically changes like how it operates in battle and everything and it was really, really hard to get it right. But at the same time, I you know, there wasn't anything with that kind of depth on on DS. Like it was it was just crazy ambitious and I think it pulled it off. Um mm. and uh but like I, I must admit I kind of, it does have a lot of um, it's got a lot of dialogue in it, a lot of chat, and a lot of big ideas, and hmm. it is a kind of big space opera. In my memory of it I, is that it's uh, a lot more like light-hearted and kind of comic book than kind of like a serious discussion of sort of big ideas. I mm-hmm. like the things I. And it's partly my like just my terrible memory, but the things like I always remember about that game is that there's a man who he basically lives inside a disco version of the Death Star. Um, that that I, that much I remember. You have to go and like invade, and every time it cuts to him, it's just like a seventies disco with like a big glitter ball, and it's just, just that that I remember. And <laughs> it definitely belongs in the arc, but I don't know if this is necessarily the category. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's it's going to be a no from from me unfortunately. Um I yeah. Yeah, so sadly it's not going in. Sorry about that. 
Okay, can I do mine because it's not a million miles away from uh, Balance of Power? Yeah. Uh, which is DEFCON from in television? No, introversion. Introversion. Who made Darwinia and... Oh, they're, uh, they're prison architect, aren't they now? Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's a very stylized um, game of nuclear war um, that looks a bit like the big monitor from the film War Games or yes, um, Doctor Strange does. Love or whatever your your local reference is for a big old map of... Or nuclear... Bond films where you see the lines going over. Exactly. You know, any of those. If you picture like an 80s movie with lines going over the different countries to represent the missiles. No, what is it? Superman? One of the Superman films that's got that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Looks so... Like Yes, so it's it's very stylized, and it's it's essentially a I want to say real time strategy, but it's 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 very sort of pared down. Um, and yeah, unlike Balance of Power, the aim is to uh, kill as many people as possible <laughs> as quickly <laughs> as quickly as possible. Um, so uh, and yeah, so so it it, it looks very nineteen um, eighties computer, all sort of green glowing lines and. Uh, for like war all, games. Like war games, as I say. Yeah, I'm just circling back on myself. And um, yeah, it's kind of... I think most people probably enjoyed it as a multiplayer game um, where you each have a territory and you're trying to position units um, in order to, um, you know, win the game by a try, by trying to attack people but also not getting attacked yourself. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think online multiplayer was a lot... A bit like, I guess, Risk... Um, the board game, sort of people forming alliances, and then, um, and then those is this where the breaking. politics angle comes in? Yeah, well, actually... yes, part partially. It's, it's obviously a game about uh, in, intercontinental politics. If that is a, is that might be a term mm-hmm. I made up. But um, the other thing I think make, what makes it political is the music. the 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 music is very um, eerie, kind of soft strings and the kind of thing that would be playing over images of absolute devastation. Um, it's just a, there's a kind of uh, impending doom about the, about the music. It's very quiet, um, but very scary because it's so low key and it really mm-hmm. makes the game because you're, you, you, you know, it turns it from a game of just plonking units down and firing missiles at people and sending submarines between countries to, to kill everyone into something where everything you're doing feels ominous um, and has kind of real sort of gravity to it. Um, Just through the music? Yeah, well, I think it plays a big part, yeah. Um, Wow. And it's also a really good game. You know, it's just a very pared-down real-time strategy game that, it, it, yeah, it really, it does make you think. Um, And I guess if you have grown up with the impending threat of nuclear, nuclear Armageddon and war games and that kind of stuff... Um, it kind of has an impact, I think. Um, hmm. So yeah, quite a serious pitch for Defcon there. <laughs> but again, is it really? Is it the? Is it making the point that nuclear war is bad? It's it's not all out in glorifying death. You know, it, it is trying to have a an atmosphere to it that makes you pause. You know, and and think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I didn't play it multiplayer. For all I know, everyone online is just like smashing nuclear bombs into each other and then. <laughs> laughing uproariously <laughs> but uh, yeah I, when i was just at home on my own in the dark experiencing the death of millions uh yeah it put me off my evening cornflakes a bit incidentally <laughs> uh, well incidentally people uh smashing together nukes and laughing about it uh, that is the event that uh <laughs> yeah. has left us in the state we're in now so <laughs> yeah. ch- cheers for that jokers <laughs> it might be considered insensitive then to you to put a video game in I yeah don't know. yeah it's going to trigger all kinds of uh of bad memories oh, don't, I think. don't say trigger mark please <laughs> <laughs> it's uh still it's a sore point it's still a sore point yeah because um, Matthew hasn't dec- hasn't shown his hand yet, so I'm going to be political now, and I'm going to say no to it going into the arc. But pure, as a purely political gesture, hmm. so that I don't have to make that decision. My so my perception of this game was like Greener said, Joker's smashing bombs into each other. Um, like the idea of kind of like nuclear war is fun, but actually hearing 
hearing a slightly different perspective on it has kind of piqued my interest um and i would uh i would like to like to give it a go so i i'm gonna say yes yes victory it's going in here he goes i'm pushing the button i'm very pleased very very pleased to see uh Defcon go in. It's kind of it's a, a, a somewhat forgotten game, but uh, it's nice. Oh, they've done uh, Introversion have done a load of really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. They did Uplink, which is a brilliant hacking game, um, which hopefully we can talk about another week because there's got to be a place for interesting things like that. Who wants to take on Defcon? He's got another nomination. Okay, all right. I've got something which I think uh, will match the seriousness and the thoughtfulness of your choice. Um, I'd like to advance spitting image on the spectrum uh, under the genre of political games. Uh, yes. Because take, I think it boils politics down to its essence, which is, you know, Maggie Thatcher and Ayatollah Khomeini punching each other in the face mm. uh, or headbutting each other or hitting each other with uh, his beard in, in the Ayatollah's case. And... Um, <laughs> It, I think it's an astute observation on the nature of inter. Uh, oh no, I give up. Yeah, it's a stupid nomination. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, put forward. Yeah, it's a two D fighting game essentially, where you have characters. Um, you have uh, Pope John Paul. Uh, he's in it. Uh, Gorbachev's in it. Um, yeah, it's based, you should. So based the on Queen. the TV, the satirical TV show. It feels if I it it saddens me greatly that you feel the need to say that because uh, Spitting Image was great, you know, and it should be on telly now. I miss it deeply. Um, Did you understand the politics? Because you must have been like what? I was a kid, 11? but I, I knew who these people were. Yeah, I knew that Gorbachev was the Russian guy and Thatcher was the PM, and all, you know, I knew who most of these people were. Most, I say, not all, because um, I mean, as much as anything, you know them from their Spitting Image puppets at the time. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, I just, to be honest, it's a flippant nomination. I just thought I'd chuck it in because um, <laughs> everybody else was going to have thoughtful contributions that they'd made. But uh, you could make the point that really it's just a, it's, it's, it is making a point about how um, a lot of political debate is essentially just as mindless as that, or as 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 trivial and as um, mm. you could make that point if you wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, I never really liked the look of it. I, I I can't remember if I ever played it, but it looked ugly as sin. Yeah, but it was quite funny, uh, and it managed to to have some of the silliness of the show and the show's irreverent take on politics. But while you you know like you obviously really like Spitting Image, it it seems to me like a very dated thing, which I think by the year three thousand is going to be like. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a little bit like who? Who are these people? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna when I think of wait, I've got to get this right. So back in the twenty first century you got a lot of um flash politicians fighting each other games that just weren't very funny, a bit stupid. And that that's kind of tainted the memory of something like Spitting Image of the game for me. It's it, it all feels very old hat, and it feels the hat feels even older looking at it as Matthew says from uh, a thousand years uh, in the future. I'm not going to put up that much of a fight to be honest I th- with you. Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's a no from me. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised by that in any way. They can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just putting it in for a bit of colour, a different interpretation of what we mean by a political game. There you go, that's my excuse. Um, what have you got, Matthew? Uh, I, I I'm putting forward The Witcher Two. Oh right, aka Assassins of Kings. Um, now, mm. like The Witcher has a lot of kind of like moral decisions in it, and there are lots of kind of branching areas. But I think Two is Two's a lot smaller in scope than the other ones. You know, I don't know if you've, if you know, obviously three's massive, but two's actually, you know, it's about twenty hours long, and and it uses that as an opportunity that there are decisions which can change the story quite dramatically. As in, it has two entirely separate second acts depending on which side you take. Yeah, but there are situations in that game which, like, it's sort of. It, 
kind of dooms it in one way, but it's also really interesting in another. So the, the story is incredibly convoluted, and there's loads of characters and the relationships, just in terms of like where they, you know, what they're the king of and how they work, are quite confusing, which makes the story quite hard to follow. But on mm. the other hand, it does mean there are a few decisions you have to make in that game, which I would argue are like the toughest decisions I've had to make in a game, because mm. there's this kind of cliche. Um, in a lot of games writing where there are moral decisions people go oh I had to put down the pad and scratch my head for five minutes as I really thought about it which yeah. is kind of like like I find that to be kind of uh, then I play the game I'm like well that's nonsense because yeah you know it's always a really obvious binary moral yeah. choice but what's really interesting about the the Witcher 2 and the Witcher 3 does it as well is that you often have to make like decide between two really shitty things Mm. Um, which is to me kind of what a lot of politics seems to be uh, mm. in that it's about compromise mm. and there's a particular bit in The Witcher 2 where if you take and, and it, you won't even see it if you've made the other decisions you know different decisions in the past but there's a scene where um, you've basically there's a kind of king who you've helped even though he's quite a foul character and like yeah. as you kind of go through his story you actually discover that he's done lots of very bad things and has made lots of bad decisions and he's a he's kind of fundamentally a bad man yeah. but someone someone raises you get an opportunity to kind of kill him and sort of get rid of him for good but someone raises the point you know if we kill if another king dies in this world you know it's going to just destabilize everything and mm. you know there's going to be war for just years we, like, we're never going to you know, at some point, someone has to stop assassinating kings, um, <laughs> and which is kind of daft. But it was actually the only time I was like, you know what? Like, what I really want to do is get rid of this guy because you know that's justice. Yeah. But at the same time, just the amount of kind of I just thought it really conveyed the amount of kind of just grimness you were going to drop on everyone else by doing that. Yeah, it's also I mean the writing has to be really really good because um to to give you a dilemma that you feel strongly about you have to care you actually have to care about the characters who are involved um because mm, if yeah. you don't you're just it's just a binary choice between two lumps of polygons essentially um and that yeah. and that's hard and the witcher actually i mean that dlc that i wrote about for your mag matthew um yeah. in witcher 3 you know that's a really short bit of DLC, but just in a very short space of time, it it sets up, you know, a a, a somewhat tough decision um, where where you care for mm. both sets of characters that are involved, and you're like, oh god, what what do I do here? It, there's very few writers in video games can pull that off, I think. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I mean I haven't played as far into The Witcher Two as. Which are three, so I haven't encountered a lot of this stuff, but um, I'm inclined to uh, to say yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm totally sold with with all of that. I think you've made an, an excellent case as always, Matthew. Get all the Witcher games. All get all the Witcher games on the arc. Get them all in. They're all one by good. one. Yeah, they're all uh, they're all awesome. And that and that brings us to the end of Space Arc for this episode. <laughs> uh, that was, some, that was a fascinating one, actually. In, in, yeah, I liked it. Ostensibly it nice. a really stupid non-genre to pick, but actually turned out all right. <laughs> so night is descending. The space jackals are um, emerging from their caves and uh, in to hunt. <laughs> well, I'm not going to sleep now. I'm going to have <laughs> nightmares about flipping space jackals. We're not even in space yet. <laughs> no, yeah, my God, uh, I had that happen. <laughs> um, anyway, do you mean the lava jackals? Lava jackals. That's that's what I meant. This, yeah, the the yeah. the future jackals. The future. This is lava a, we've jackals. played too many video games because if you got on the on the lava level, there's lava jackals. In the space level, there's space jackals. <laughs> that is cheap design. Yeah, yeah I know. So. Let's uh, let's close Space Art down and uh, open it up next episode. You'll find out what theme we'll be talking about in a bit after this. So that's the end of the podcast, my friends. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, it was a, it was a good times. I thought 
had some interesting political chat. So much Metal Gear chat, it almost made me hurt, but in a good way. It's a good ache that I've got from that. So the next genre for the space arc is going to be user-generated games or games with a, a substantial amount of user-generated content in it, by which we mean things where you can make things, uh, possibly share them with yeah. other people. Yeah, with 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 we're all we've all got Mario Maker in mind with it. Come, it just come out this week, so yeah. And our fantastic logos for Metal Gear, which uh, we should put up on the website, really, shouldn't we? On do something mm. like that. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a whole history of really uh, interesting level creators and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, what's your favourite? So if you want to send your nominations to us, you can do through uh, the usual channels. Uh, which is, of course, if you want to email us, you can email trp at therotatingplatform.com. You can visit the website, which is therotatingplatform.com. You can go to Facebook, which is facebook.com slash rotatingplatform. Or you can uh, send us a tweet on Twitter, which is the usual way to send a tweet to someone. And you do that at Rotating Podcast. Yes. Four out of four. Mission complete. And Hooray. yeah, just one extra thing, actually, if you if you're the kind of person who gets, you know, you're, you're coming to the end of uh, this episode and you're like, you know, because I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it gets to the end and I'm like, oh, that's a shame that the podcast is ending uh, and I, I'm looking forward to the next episode. If you are that kind of person, then you can take that feeling and put it, take it with you to iTunes and give us a rating uh, and say how much you like the rotating platform um because then more people find out about us and then we may even do more rotating platforms over time who knows yeah yep 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 so yeah please do rate us on itunes it makes a big difference so that's all from us i hope you have a splendid week or so till we hear from you again oh no what till you hear from us again that's how this works isn't it In the meantime, my friends, look after yourselves, be well, take care when crossing the street, and uh, remember I love you. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.